Well, welcome back. As we head into hour two, uh, there are just some guests you thank the heavens and the stars. You are on their side or they are on your side, and uh, it's an added blessing when they uh, are a friend of yours. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Heather MacDonald, who fulfills all those categories. She's the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, contributing editor at City Journal, author of many books, probably most relevant for us, The War on Cops, How the New Attack on Law and Order makes everyone less safe. Welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix, Heather. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. I always have to be on my best behavior and, and on my toes when I'm on, on your <laughs> no, show. No, so. I'm the one who's sitting up straight when I'm talking to you. No, 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 no. no, no. Heather, I wanted, to, I wanted to have you on because um, in all the discussions that are going on around the country about crime, rising crime, concerns about crime, one of the points I've been trying to communicate uh, for cities that haven't sunk to the level of L.A. or San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia – Take a city like Phoenix, where I am. Um, I'm trying to communicate how important these district attorney or county attorney races are. These really are the tip of the spear for cities and states not becoming like California, aren't they? I, I, w- I was hoping you might have a word to say about the importance, wherever people are, about these district attorney, county attorney races. Yeah, well, there's three things you need to do to lower crime theft. Arrest, prosecute and incarcerate. Uh, It would be great if we had alternatives to prison that worked. You know, the prison is not an end in itself. Uh, But we have gone through periods where we said, okay, we're going to do diversion. We're not going to send people to prison. Uh, The reason we're not is because of racial politics. We can go into that or not. Um, But we're going to give them social services. We're going to keep them in the community. We tried this in the 60s and 70s in California and elsewhere. Crime nationally went through the roof. We're trying that again. And you're getting less arrests as well, less summonses, because you also have pressure on the police not to uh, enforce the essential so-called broken windows public order offenses that are the prequel to crime. But you're also not getting the prosecution end of it because these left-wing district attorneys have decided that because there's a disproportionate number of blacks in prison uh, and enforcing the law in a colorblind, constitutional, neutral manner will have a disparate impact on black criminals, not because the law is racist, but because there's such a high rate of criminal offending in the black community, which isn't to say that everybody is a criminal. By no means there are millions of law-abiding inner-city residents who are the victims of crime and that they deserve our protection. But when you don't prosecute and you put people back on the street, you have not broken the cycle of crime, and they continue committing crime. And we keep giving people second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances. Sorry, no, you don't get, from now on, the rule should be you don't get a second chance. We see what happens. It doesn't work. You commit a crime, you are going to pay the consequences, and that's not what's happening across the country. You raised so much there. Let me pick up off on that last point, Heather, if I might. Uh, we have a candidate here running for county attorney on the uh, on the Democratic side, and her position is to get rid of all mandatory sentencing. Uh, this would fall right into the category of the problem areas that you're talking about, isn't it? And that's exactly what we were doing in the 60s and 70s. 
We said we need more judicial discretion. Uh, it's unfair to have a rule for all defendants. You need to be very specific in their uh, criminal background and, and what sort of sentences. And what happened was uh, all these left-wing judges, again, refused to incarcerate. And so there was a movement in the 80s to reinstate, at the federal level at least, uh, minimum sentences. And that was the start of the country being able to get its crime under control. Uh, of course, there should be some arena for judicial discretion, but it is appropriate and, and not racist to say society has decided there is a minimal level of time that one should serve for violating the public trust. I, I, you know, I am just astounded that our politicians continue to turn their eyes away from the mass looting, the mass theft that's going on in New York, elsewhere. It's, it's everywhere, and I, I can't believe that Phoenix is totally immune from it. No, it isn't. There shouldn't be, there should be no more free lunch. You, we have to protect the law-abiding. We have to protect the people who are engaged in the risk the danger, the drama of commerce, of trying to build a business. They, have, they are accumulating property. The purpose of government is to ensure that people can engage in that commerce, in that property creation, in that job creation safely and, and with security. And government is failing miserably. And we have decided that we're putting the interests of the criminal the deviant, the antisocial, the vagrants ahead of those of law-abiding citizens. And that, what I call the great inversion, has to end. Beautifully stated, Heather. Heather MacDonald is our guest. Beautifully stated. And it raises this question um, of curiosity for me. You were talking about the explosion we saw from those experiments in the 70s and 80s. And we turned it around. Uh, we turned it around. Based on you had used the word, uh, the phrase broken windows. Uh, New York was an exemplar of that, along with Comstat and other things. Why is it we have to keep relearning this? It seems to me we learn the lesson, we fix it, and then we say, no, we're not doing that anymore. And we end up again with more social and societal destruction. We have to seem to go through this every other generation or half generation, it seems, doesn't it? Yes, we get uh, complacent, but... I'll tell you, and this is an uncomfortable topic for many Americans that are well-meaning and the opposite of, of white supremacists, and I'm not saying this is a white supremacist thing to say, but, but everything that's going on in the criminal justice system today is driven by the problem of race. Okay. If there were not, if there were not a disproportionate number of black criminals in prison, and again, it's not vastly disproportionate. Blacks make up about a third of the nation's prison population, though they're... 13% of the of 12 actually 12% of the of the uh, nation's population if there wasn't that disparity nobody would be concerned about this they would be saying lock them up and throw away the key but americans are so guilty about racial disparities they would rather blame themselves than say there's patterns of culture and behavior that need to change that we are unwinding law enforcement you can either enforce the law in a colorblind fashion, uh, 
or you can avoid disparate impact. You can't do both. If you want to avoid disparate impact, you have to stop enforcing the law, and that's what we are doing today, and that's why we're doing it today. Uh, Ibram Kendi, Alexandra Cortez, any number of people in their camp would say, yes, but Heather, the reason that disproportion exists, 12 percent of the population versus 33 or so percent of the prison population, uh, is because of systemic racism and racism within law enforcement itself, to which you say? Well, there's two arguments. If they're saying the reason is systemic racism, if you're saying... Well, I admit that the crime rate is much higher, uh, but but somehow it's the product of, you know, these are victims and, and we can't hold them uh, morally responsible. That's a different discussion. Yeah. The question is, what do we do now when you've got this high rate of crime? Do you continue subjecting law-abiding black children uh, to drive-by shootings or elderly senior citizens to drive-by shootings? So I would say... Even if it's this, it's systemic racism, uh, you have to have consequences. The other issue, the other claim, and you're absolutely right, that's another claim, is that no, there actually isn't a difference in crime rate. Right. It's just that the police are racist right. and they, they over-concentrate in minority neighborhoods, and so they find crime that is not, uh, that, that they're ignoring in white neighborhoods. That's a complete crock. It is completely false. The bodies do not lie. Blacks die of homicide between the ages of 15 and about 34 of gun homicide at 21 times the rate. They're not being killed by the police. They're not being killed by whites. If they were, we'd hear about it. Believe me. Yeah. You know, the, the, the media is on the fanatical lookout for any white on black crime. It almost never happens, contrary to the opposite, which is a routine thing. Uh, and the bodies don't lie. Blacks are are committing crime against each other, against other groups at astronomically higher rates. And the reason that the police are in neighborhoods in higher rates of deployment is because that's where the 911 calls are coming right. for the drive-by shootings. What are they supposed to do, ignore them? Right, right. Let me take a quick commercial break. Heather MacDonald is our guest. Uh, she will be right back. I want to pick up on some of where she was uh, leading us and also talk to her about other notions not a lot of people are familiar with, but they hear these buzzwords like bail reform and getting rid of cash bail, what that means to criminal justice. I'm Seth Liebson. She's Heather MacDonald, author of any number of great books, The War on Cops, Are Cops Racist? She is an editor at City Journal, as well as a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. I'm Seth. She's Heather. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have Heather MacDonald with us picking up on our conversation in the previous segment. We're talking about crime in America. Uh, Heather Reforms, bad ideas. You wrote a book <laughs> on bad ideas as well. One of the buzzwords, phrases, not a lot of people quite understand, but it has the sense that it's a good thing because it sounds pleasant, I suppose, is getting rid of uh, getting rid of cash bail or bail reform. And I'm, I'm wondering if you might say a word or two about what people need to know about that concept. Well, it's, again, the idea that incarceration is per se racist. And so you don't want to hold somebody uh, who is a threat to the community before uh, a conviction. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, Seth, I, there is something 
theoretically problematic with preventive detention, because that's what we're saying. Yeah. Well, we've arrested you uh, for a uh, carjacking in which you dragged a mother, you know, uh, and took off with the kids in her back seat. Uh, and and we think you're you're dangerous. You've got a pattern of arrest that's pretty bad. Uh, and so we're going to hold you until trial because we think you'll commit more crime. That is preventive detention, and and they haven't been the, that suspect has not been convicted for those crimes or even arrested for those crimes he hasn't committed yet. Yeah. Uh, so bail is kind of a compromise between an absolutist notion of due process and a common sense notion that uh, the number of times. The number of crimes that are committed by criminals for every arrest, you know, it's like twenty to one or something. Right, right, right. In other and words, so, in other words, you arrest someone, it's very likely that they're wanted for twenty other things. That's what you're saying, right? Or they've committed it. They yeah, don't, okay. you know. There's, there's not been, there's not been uh, evidence, but they, okay. they're just committing like crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got your hands on them now. Hold them until trial either because you think he's a flight risk or uh, because you think he's danger to the community. And and so that was a decision, a balance that was made. Now we're saying in most cases if somebody commits a misdemeanor, which can be, you know, you walk into a store and you strip the shelves and you put it all in your backpack or your, or your uh, large, hefty trash can and you casually walk out uh, with absolute... In, impunity and immunity from the law because you know that nobody's going to arrest you or cost you. Uh, now they're saying, well, just let him go and we'll hope he shows up, but we'll not set any kind of cash bail. And that's resulting in people in New York City, you know, we're seeing with 101 arrests and they just keep shoplifting and they're, they're very uh, upset if somebody ever arrests them because at this point they're convinced they have an, an, an entitlement. Uh, to continue assaulting the foundation of civilization, which is the security of property. What is the end point to that? If we see more and more of what's going on in New York City or more and more of what's going on in San Francisco, do people leave? Do they arm themselves more? Do they take it into their... Where do you see it going if we don't get our hands and arms and heads around this rightly? Well, Seth, you're absolutely right. There's going to be more vigilantism. It's ironic because... The uh, the left is is so against gun ownership, right. uh, and you know the, the the regulations. I can tell you these guys that are these young kids that are out there committing drive by shootings. They are not legal gun owners. Right. Uh, they're not going and getting permitted. It's ridiculous. There was a truck in in the the mayor Eric Adams of New York put in uh, New York saying, well, we've declared that Times Square is a sensitive area, so you cannot uh, carry a gun legally in this area as if as if the people that are committing the shootings are going to obey that right. it's, it's ridiculous but yes you're going to get more more people lawfully arming themselves because the, the state has fallen down on the job uh you know the, the theory is is that we sort of cede the right of self-defense or, or at least the the taking the law into our own hands to the state that was the idea yeah yeah Yeah. and the state will protect us in a neutral fashion that's not happening so people are going to arm themselves 
what there are people ab- ab- absolutely leaving. On the other hand, what is astounding to me is the people who are staying. Now, <laughs> I, I still stay in California because I love this, the nature so much. Sure. There's, there's nothing like it. Right. Uh, but, but people, the real reason most people stay is they don't want to admit that democratic policies are wrong. They don't want to uh, change one iota. And so they are just defining deviance down. They're defining their own tolerance down. They're willing to put up with the most mind-blowing squalor on Los Angeles streets of just ugliness, spirit-killing, ugliness, mess, litter, uh, dysfunction, and it gets worse and worse, and, and they just say, we don't want to talk about it, we don't want to notice it, because if we do, we may have to concede that there's something about the ideology which allows us to feel superior to those redneck MAGA Trump supporters that doesn't work. By the way, on that point, does it concern you additionally, in addition to every other concern you've raised, does it concern you uh, additionally that you hear law enforcement officials from the federal perspective, whether it's the president or the attorney general or the director of the FBI, talking about that being really the thing we do need to focus on as a matter of criminal law enforcement, white supremacy in America. That's the new threat they want us focused on. It's really, it's terrifying, Seth, uh, because it's a lie. And we've seen already their efforts to use the tools of government in a completely unconstitutional fashion to go after a phantom threat, you know, with the, the uh, thankfully uh, belated office of, of, or abortive office of, uh, of misinformation, but they're basically doing the same thing by working with the, the uh, tech companies to, to censor yeah. uh, d- dissent from the left-wing orthodoxy and it's a complete waste of resources. Government resources are not infinite, and, and every moment that the federal law enforcement agencies are, are bent on trying to find these phantom white supremacists that are the biggest threat to our government is a moment not spent using federal tools against violent street crime. Uh, so it's it's just, and and it, it extends everywhere uh, that the... The First Amendment violations are huge. One doesn't know really what to do. Uh, people have to vote. That's the only they they can't they haven't taken that one away yet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but otherwise we are sliding intellectually it seems towards a very totalitarian state. Well, not if your voice stays as strong as it always has been, Heather. We always learn so much from you. I know how busy you are. It means a ton. to have your brain as well as your time. Heather MacDonald, thank you so much. Thank you. It's always an honor to be with you, Seth. Godspeed to you, Heather. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Heather is special, isn't she? My gosh, she's just fantastic. Um, yeah, you've heard we are uh, doing a special event uh, Sunday, October 23rd in the afternoon here, the Battleground Talkers Tour. Uh, we're going to be uh, bringing in Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, Charlie Kirk. We'll have some other special guests. I'll be there 
It's going to be a fantastic event, discussion, Q&A, you name it, all in front of the election. General admission uh, is uh, very, very, very uh, agreeable to your wallet. We hope we deliberately made it so, $5 uh, for general seating. But right now, if you're caller number two, we will give you two tickets, a pair of tickets at the premium seating level, value of uh, $50, uh, $25 each. So caller number two at 602-508-0960 will get a free pair of tickets to our Battleground Talkers Tour featuring Charlie Kirk, Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, and others. I always like to not do caller number one because I worry that someone's going to rush over just a little too much on their car or um, or uh, act uh, just too quickly. But uh, caller number two. And, yes, if uh, you are not number uh, caller number two today, uh, you can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com. We have uh, premium seating as well as general admissions and, of course, a nice VIP meet-and-greet ticket as well. Looks like we have our caller number two. So uh, if uh, you are planning to call, uh, we have our caller number two already. So uh, stay tuned for more giveaways throughout the course of the next few weeks and or go to 960thepatriot.com to get your tickets uh, on your own. Okay, this is uh, just another sad uh, indicator on our culture. Um, The Telegraph is reporting this. The next James Bond films will have bigger roles for women and a more sensitive 007, according to the producers, who said, quote, James Bond is evolving just as men are evolving. Does that make you happy? Does that make you feel better about the culture? The next James Bond film will have bigger roles for women and a more sensitive 007. The producers say James Bond is evolving just as men are evolving. Um, Wow. (laughs) Dana Loesch. (laughs) Gosh, she has a great Twitter response. Dana Loesch, bless her. Men aren't evolving. Our culture is devolving and in the process trying to make men dumber and weaker. I don't want an I don't want an insipid, sensitive James Bond. If you want to put a chick in the role, then have the originality to invent a new franchise for one instead of emasculating the old. She goes on to say, I will actually riot over this. I love James Bond, not a simpering, eunuch version of one, but an arse-kicking, martini-drinking, woman-loving, aggressive, fight-the-world-for-good James Bond. I, the reason I thought of that, I was thinking of that because I was talking with a friend of mine during the break about how great Heather MacDonald was and is. Uh, and, you know, you hear, you know, these strong, great, smart, powerful women like, of course, Heather, Dana, as was said about Jean Kirkpatrick and Margaret Thatcher. It's a sad state of affairs and a sad state of the culture when you step back and think, you know, sometimes these women are the only men in the room. And I don't mean this as an issue of trans, obviously. Obviously, I mean that they are still women left who want men to be men and women to be women. And if there aren't going to be men, then they will step up and do it and show us how to do it. Boy, I, this does work. The James Bond thing, it's not good. It's not good. I, I noticed this. They did this to Magnum P.I., the, the, the new Magnum P.I. series, where Higgins about whom there is controversy in the original as to whether he was the actual Robin Masters or not, 
Uh, I'm on one side of that debate, of course. But in any event, the Higgins in the new version, Higgins in the old version, was known as the Major Domo, who was a World War II veteran and was writing his memoirs throughout the series about his exploits in World War II. And they were great exploits. So what do they do in the new one? They make Higgins a woman in the new one, and they emasculate, uh, of course, everyone else. This is not going to teach young boys great martial virtues anymore. It just ain't. And this fight that James Bond stood for, as the fight Magnum P.I. and the original stood for, was always good against evil. Always good against evil. Yeah, Magnum P.I. had his private clients, but it was also a show with a foreign policy and a drug policy and a crime policy. And now they just emasculate the whole thing and you look around and around and around and you understand what C.S. Lewis meant with the title of that famous book, The Abolition of Man. It's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Let me give the number 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return, please check them out. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure, collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm. They are investors who do well by doing good for others. And you can be a part of that as well. You can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, investyrefi.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087, uh, Y'all know who uh, Stacey Abrams is, right? A Georgia Democratic gubernatorial candidate. She was the one who the last time she lost and continually to this day claims she lost due to fraud. She's allowed to say that. She gets that uh, she gets that uh, that 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 uh, that shield we spoke about in our monologue. Um, She gets the shield to say whatever she wants without consequence. Uh, But if, gosh forbid, a uh, white Republican says it or a Republican male says it, uh, he will be guilty of insurrection fomenting riots and all. Uh, he will be an election denier. He will get uh, FBI subpoenas. Um, so she was at an event uh, yesterday, and she said uh, this, quote, there is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. May I repeat that? There is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It's a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. Men have the right to take control of a woman's body. I I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know where that's coming from. I often remind people who say that men shouldn't even have a vote on this matter that Roe versus Wade was given to us by a Supreme Court made up of entirely men, and uh, its reversal was made up of a Supreme Court with several women on it. Um, But regardless of the idea that uh, gender should dictate uh, thinking, 
its own problematic legacy there. Uh, Blake Masters, pretty good in seeing this. Noticed um, it's not just the CDC that changes things overnight and in the dead of night to uh, comply with the currents of leftist or progressive ideology. Uh, two days ago, two days ago, if you went to the Planned Parenthood website, they have a chapter, or they have a heading, What Happens During Weeks 5 and 6. One of those things, uh, second item, is a basic beating heart and circulatory system develop. Well, guess what that same website says today? Not that. Nothing. It's that that bullet point is taken out. That bullet point is fully removed. Did you know you could be that powerful if you were Stacey Abrams, who holds no office in America? Did you know you could be that powerful? You can get one of the most well-recognized organizations in this country to change its website to comply with your misstatement of fact and science because it has a political ideological end. And, of course, as you know, uh, the ends justify the means to the progressives. Never mind being anti-science. Just think about think about that for a moment. Think about how these ideological nonprofits will change themselves and change science and change what they say just to give cover to one of the most progressive politicians in America who represents the progressive intersectional movement to a fairly well like Stacey Abrams. It's really quite incredible. It's really quite incredible. They changed their website in the dark of night in order to comply with actual misstatement of fact and science. Actual misstatement. The idea that there is no such thing as a fetal heartbeat at six weeks of gestation. Two days ago, Planned Parenthood said there was, never mind all of other known science. Today, Planned Parenthood has taken that down. You realize we federally fund Planned Parenthood in this country? That needs to stop, too. We should stop funding every anti-science organization in this country. Every, every, every organization that plays games and politics with your public health. That's misinformation. Now, here's the funny thing about this misinformation. That, whether you get it from Planned Parenthood, CDC. Here's the funny thing about it. The funny thing about it is this is a White House that wanted to have a bureau of disinformation to go after false facts in policy and science when they are the generator. They are the generator and endower of them. It's who can rush to the who can rush to the microphone or to the editing room fastest fastest with the progressives. Who can who can who can call someone the racist fa- who can be the first one to call someone or something racist or who can who can who can get fastest to 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 the um, to the uh, to the website uh, and uh, and to the uh, and to the uh, and to the publication to edit it to comport with the political currents of the day something by the way science was supposed to be independent of it's always kind of a eerie notion to have this notion of to have this phrase political science a lot of lot of academic departments a lot of colleges and universities stopped giving degrees in political science and started calling those departments other things like um, politics uh, or government. 
and um, I, I, it, it's its own weird story, um, I suppose. It's, uh, it's much like uh, how we got to something called social studies instead of history or instead of, um, instead of uh, the study of civilization. We got social studies. All of this can be so much mold in whoever the power's hands are. Uh, you would think the power in most instances um, would come in pronouncing on politics and national policy from the president of the United States. But even he is undermined by his administration. He said on 60 Minutes on Sunday twice, not once, but twice, that COVID is over. Uh, Karen Jean-Pierre and other White House officials are saying, no, COVID is not over. They're correcting him on that as much as they are correcting him as much as they are correcting him on changing the one China policy. A uh, hell of a hell of a thing we've got going here. Uh, a president who's not in control of himself or his administration, of his own mental faculties or his administration. Do you see that video of him on stage again at the Global Fund, not knowing where to go and whose hand to shake and looking for direction? I mean, the, the man is lost and it's an embarrassment. Uh, we're in Hans Christian Andersen uh, territory here, the emperor with no clothes just that they want to go after the little kids now in silence and shut the little kids up rather than giving them uh, awards for bravery for speaking the truth. But it's it's an amazing thing. He's not in control of himself or his administration or policy. We really, we, we really are run by an anonymous group, I was going to say, of experts, but they ain't expert. They're not expert at anything. They're political, ideological, what's the word I want? They are political ideological demagogues. That's what they are. Portions of the show are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Any air conditioning, heating, or plumbing needs you have, they are there for you 24-7. Great company. I have used them for years, as have my friends, and they all think the same of Cool Touch that I do. What a great company. From the moment you call them to the end of the service request you may have. They just do it different. They do it better. Uh, call them at 623-748-4942. That's Cool Touch at 623-748-4942. Or you can visit them online at cooltouch.us. Cooltouch.us. On that issue of do President Biden's words matter or not, Stephen Miller over at The Spectator says, you'd think it's really just a simple question whether when the president speaks or not, <coughs> does it matter? But every Biden sit down seems to raise more questions than answers. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, this past Sunday, when he did talk on 60 Minutes, it was his first interview in months with someone other than a comedian. He has done fewer interviews than any modern President, And it's not hard to see why. On the subject of Taiwan and China, Biden once again stated that Taiwan would be defended militarily should mainland China stage an invasion to reclaim the island. And before the show was even over, the White House had put out a statement saying that that was not the policy of the United States of America. And the most telling, of course, really was when he was asked, is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over, Biden responded. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. But the pandemic's over. Wasn't a gaffe. Wasn't a slip up. 
He said it twice. This left the White House in yet another bind on issues from student loan forgiveness to immigration restrictions to vaccine mandates, all of which are premised on pandemic law and policy. Biden's words could jeopardize legal cases his administration might be preparing. And as usual, media defenders from the Washington Post to NPR sprang into action to spin Joe Biden's own words, all of which points to a simple question. Do Biden's words matter or do they not? Does his administration respect his governing authority or not? If the answer is no, then who's in charge? Is it Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff? Is it the domestic policy advisor, Susan Rice? Is it the White House comms team, communications team? Or is it the Easter Bunny who was called in to corral his boss during an event last Easter? Remember, remember that? These are legitimate questions. If the buck stops with Joe Biden, he needs to start acting like it. Or, to put it bluntly, he just needs to step aside. I'm Seth Leapson. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 